0: It's time to rumble! It's time for the Royal Rumble, where it's every man for himself. The thirty participants include the Ultimate Warrior, the Hokey Talk Man, the Macho King Randy Savage, Rowdy Roddy Piper, Andre the Giant, Superfly Jimmy Sucker, Bad News Brown, Shawn Michaels, Hardcore. Demolition acts along with the model Rick Martel Kukko Beware the Hitman Bret Hart The Warlord The Mighty Hercules Ravishing Rick Rude Marty Giannetti Mr. Perfect Demolition Smash Jake the Fake Roberts Jim the Anvil Knight the Barbarian, Dusty three roads, the American Dream. Cito Santana, Akeem. the Red Rooster, the Earthquake, the Million Dollar Man, Ted DiBiase, Gino Bravo, and Hulk Hogan. What else the New matches? It will be Hacksaw Jim Duggan battling the Big Boss Man. Brutus the Barber King K genius, rugged running arm and patient right record after Valentine, and the bushwhackers meet the family. Rick Martell, the ultimate warrior, and the champion Hulk Hogan. As you see, Martell and the Warrior going at it. Shawn Michaels of the Rockers. Shawn Michaels makes it five in the ring. And Honky Tonk, Hogan eliminating the Honky Tonk Man. Shawn Michaels eliminated by the Warrior. And Rick Martel eliminated by the Warrior. Look at this. Look at this. My God. Hulk Hogan and the Warrior. There is not a person sitting down. Everyone on his feet. Look at the eyes of the Hulkster. The eyes of the Warrior. Whoa, what a matchup this is going to be. The Ultimate Warrior and Hulk Hogan one-on-one hold on to your seats this place is going to explode whoa nobody moves again oh my god nobody moves look at this crisscross the huckster's down he missed a clothesline oh and they clotheslined each other
1: This is the Pro Wrestling Reflection Podcast,
0: with your host, the professor, Chalbero Veracruz. Yeah, what a run. Mr. Wonderful, Tommy Wonder. And I will take the powers of those that have no fear. And the prodigal one, JB. The queen, The queen of the crop. Now it's time to go back in time in the time machine. Help! For Two, sweet The living legend, Bruno Sammartino. Austin 316 says, I just whipped your ass. To be the man, you gotta beat the man. Woo. Look at this. I don't believe it.
1: Reflection Knights, what is going on there to the Hameen Knights, the PWC Knights, all the ice, all over the world, the left, the right, the Dems, the Repubs, the Magnificent Seven, the Elite Eight, the Naughty Nine, the Terrific Ten, you know who you are. And you know what? You know, we're going to be a little bit faster on this PWR podcast here today. We're going to be a little bit more, you know, fluid on this PWR podcast today because somebody has got his suitcase ready to go. Somebody is waiting for his goddamn Uber. Somebody is waiting to get his ass out of cold-ass Detroit and ready to go into the hot blazes of, I think it was Miami, Florida, but the, the, he'll correct us. He'll recor- correct the reflection night. He will tell us his butt orgy sketchy how, but it's not from even here nor there. But I'm going to do this quick for him because, again, Ubers cost a lot of money. I don't want an Uber to like, you know, uber charge my buddy, my compadre, my brother for another mother, because I don't want to take the blame. Reflection. No, 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 no. So we're going to do this as quickly as possible so he can get his ass out of the cold of Detroit and into the warm beds of not only, you know, men's butts but also the warm beds of Miami, Florida. So here we go. It is the PWR podcast here at the Hymn Media Group at PowerBeam.com. It is an episodic episode. But before I even talk about the episodic episodes, I must introduce myself because I am vain like that. I must introduce myself because, you know, the grays, I cut off the hair here so you don't see the grays. So, But if I keep introducing myself in the oh-so-glorious tones, I still keep getting younger. I am the most charismatic one. I am the most affluent one. I am the most scholarly one. But most importantly, I am the glorious one. The only objective man in this IWC, YWC, PWC punditry. The only objective man in this political hemisphere. Your friend of mine is a Professor de Cruz. And I'm not here alone. No, 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 no. I am grateful that he, his suitcase is on his left side. And he says, Professor, I got you. We could do one more, and then I'm on my way out. But I, I, I applaud him, I bow to him for this. He is the conservative liberal, the liberal conservative, dum-dum-due, idiot zone, the iron stomach one, and the man that has been celebrating with every person in Detroit right now, that's their Detroit Lions, are in the, the divisional round. They've got another home playoff game. He's already celebrating, the, well, Technically, he doesn't celebrate the Michigan Wolverines, but he might be, like, doing it, you know, on the sneak tip for you. Reflection, ice. he's a Michigan State guy, but he's probably doing, you know, he probably has a burner account celebrating the Michigan Wolverines, but neither here nor there. I know he ain't, he ain't celebrating the Pistons. No, 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 no. He ain't celebrating the Detroit Red Wings. No, 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 no. But he, he's a Lions fan through and through. Your friend of mine. <laughs> Tell me wonder how you doing, my friend.
2: I am doing good. You you really do know me. Uh mm-hmm. huh. There it is, right there.
1: Of course, That's what you celebrate. You are flying high right now at the Detroit Lions in the playoffs. You are flying high with the well, wink, wink, with the Michigan Wolverines. So you know, good. Everything's good. In so in let Detroit me tell you boxing.
2: something about the Michigan Wolverines. It's not them I don't like. It's their fan base, which is unbearable. And a, a fucking the only one but worse is Ohio State fans. And after that. But here's the deal i once was at a michigan game because i'm not a hater and i bumped into a buddy and amongst a hundred thousand people go figure i bumped into somebody i knew and this guy's there and i said whoa what are you doing here i thought you were a state fan and he goes i am but i also cheer for all of our schools and i'm like okay he's like so when michigan and michigan state play each other if they're both undefeated, I cheer for Michigan State. But if Michigan State already lost and Michigan's undefeated, I cheer for Michigan. Because if Michigan State beats them, then both of them are down the tubes. And I'd rather see at least one of them win. And that's how I've always felt. Ever since he said that, I'm like, that's fair. And I know quite a few Michigan graduates. They're nice people. It's the, uh, what they call here, Walmart Wolverines and Meyer Michigan fans. Because they didn't go there. They don't know anybody that went there. They just uh-huh. cheer for it because generations in their family have cheered for it. Which, ironically, is one of the reasons I cheer for State is because everybody in my family cheered for Michigan. And then my buddy's sister went there. I party there with her and her friends. I threw up there. I was there when she met her future husband and baby dad. They're still together today. So ever since then, when I cheer for Michigan State, it's because I'm cheering for Kimmy and her friends that went there. And because I also threw up on campus. But... I am happy for Michigan. I was actually at a party with some friends that are all Michigan guys. I wore red there, ironically, when they were playing Alabama. And they're like, why'd you wear red? I'm like, ah, it wasn't on purpose, but it's funny. But when they were losing, with a couple minutes to go, I stood up and I said, "Uh, they're going to win this game. And they did. And it took overtime, but they won. And my buddies are like, what the hell, man? Because I also said the Lions were going to come from behind and win against Dallas. And they did. And then they got freaking hosed by a stupid referee who clearly... Decker said I'm eligible, and then he said he didn't. But it was bullshit. But anyways, I digress. And I am still, the Red Wings are doing pretty good too after a little shitty stint that they were on. But the Pistons, mm-hmm. it's just brutal. Of it's, it's
3: you, ugly. you can't. You know, too, as Meatloaf said, two out of three ain't bad. So you know that's. Do that's you, do you know this
2: story? So the the Little Caesars Arena was built for the Detroit Red Wings, and the Pistons at some point. They've been wanting to go back downtown Detroit because they were an hour north in Pontiac, Michigan. Auburn Hills, actually, which is even north of Pontiac. And they snuck out of their lease and got the Red Wings to share the arena. And when the arena was built, every seat in that motherfucker was red. And -hmm. when the Pistons had their first practice, they complained and said they felt like they were playing in the Red Wings building, that it wasn't fair that it was there. And do you know the no, one color no, they no share? Shit. You know the one color they share besides white? Red. Red. Mm-hmm. So why did they think red was the red wings when they also have red? You can't make it white. Too many people are shitting their pants and they're gonna be dirty seats all the time. So red was the one universal color. So they went in and took every seat out and replaced them with black seats.
3: Oh, I thought they were gonna do blue, like red and blue sections.
2: No, No, nope. they got rid of every seat and replace them with black seats, which probably cost them a million dollars because these little yeah. belly aching bitches didn't like seeing red seats. And by the way, when there's asses in them, you don't mm-hmm. see the color of the seat.
3: Again, you know, people are picky and people are petty, but neither here nor there. And, you know, like I said, reflection, Nights, you know, again, T.W.'s got his luggage. He's ready to go. So this, you know, after this, will be on hiatus for maybe a week or two. So neither here nor there. But... I did promise you in the month of January, content, content, content. So we did our part. Me and TW did our part. And TW, you know, his asshole is ready. He's got the oil ready. And he's ready for Miami to, you know, for the butt orgies, but neither here nor there. I'm so a I'm
2: a pitcher. If I'm gonna participate in your little fantasy, I'm a pitcher, not a catcher.
3: I ain't judging you either way. So what? You got the you got the Johnson and Johnson baby all, but again, I was once we got told
2: a- by a gay man that I have no cooth. And I said, I don't know what the fuck that is. He goes, you could never be gay. You have no coot I said, thank you. Whatever yeah. couth is, thank you very much.
3: Listen, apparently you yeah, got to be gay to know what couth yeah. is, too. That's, a, that's what I was going to say. If you know what it means, then you are gay. So neither here nor yeah. that. But now let's get on to, you know what, for Donnie Day 1, we're getting closer to the Elusive 200. We're on episode 180. We're doing an episodic episode, Donnie. So 20 episodes away from the Elusive 200. But It is 180. I can't believe we've gotten this far, TW, 180. And we are doing, because this is the month of January, this is Royal Rumble season. And I looked in the archives of the PWR podcast, and I was surprised. We did not do this Royal Rumble episode. I was shocked myself. I said, you know what? It is Royal Rumble season. So let's talk about, I'm not going to say one of the greatest Royal Rumbles ever, but one of the greatest moments happened in the in this particular Royal Rumble, in my humble opinion, from 1990 in Orlando, Florida, and TW. Before we even talk about this episode and going back in the time machines, you know, if we compare the Royal Rumbles, the earliest Royal Rumbles, to today's Royal Rumbles, it's almost night and day because today's Royal Rumbles is they say it's the uh, it's the start of WrestleMania season. Everything, every storyline, you know, from here on to WrestleMania, that's where the, the focus is. And I looked at this Royal Rumble and I was it was kind of like backtracking a little bit. You know, the Royal Rumbles of the earlier ones weren't really WrestleMania season starters, but they sprinkled the stuff to, you know, to, uh, let's they say
2: WrestleMania
3: to advertise, yeah, to advertise, not only to advertise WrestleMania coming up, but they were giving you those Easter eggs to tell you what they were working on to get to WrestleMania. But now it's more honed in in, in, comparison to back then. It was the Easter eggs, but now they tell you it's like embedded. It's brainwashing the, the fans right now to know this a is sign. WrestleMania season. Point it's a a sign. A, well, that too. So what's ATW about the past to the present of the way the presentation so, of the royal rumble
2: so this is. is this has been my favorite event for a long 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 time i, I want to say the original survivor series might have been my favorite for a while and then the royal rumble took it over and i think mm-hmm. you're the one that told me this is one of only like three or four of them that were this way where it was not like hulk hogan is the world champ in it mm-hmm. ever since 92 i think it's either been for the belt or for the number one contender. And ironically enough, a lot of people think that ruined it because now you know it's only one of four guys that are going to win it. Like, Paul Roma has no shot. Junkyard Dog ain't winning it if Mm. he gets the main event WrestleMania. So, but ironically, this one, the first 10 guys in it, minus Marty Jannetty, Coco Beware, and probably the Warlord, any one of those guys could have won it and fought Hogan at WrestleMania, and you would have bought it, right? Because it's Mm DiBiase, it's Jake the Snake, it's Macho Man, it's Piper, it's Bret Hart. Maybe not Bret Hart yet at that point. Bad News Mm -hmm. Brown is another iffy, and Dusty Rhodes. And any one of those guys winning it could be in a main event. And and maybe even Bret, if winning it was what made him get a main event spot that could be the whole story like this is a tag team wrestler but he won the Royal Rumble now he's getting his first crack at a singles belt or world title whatever but this this Royal Rumble and and not just those first 10 the entire 30 guys there's only like five or six dudes that have no business being in there right and they don't last long they don't last long there's a lot of stuff that happens in here that I think wouldn't happen today for example the second Hulk Hogan gets in the ring, Jimmy Snuka goes right for him, and they were both babyfaces. That wouldn't happen in today's Royal Rumble because you would be,
3: what do you call it? No, I, I, I think uh, the babyfaces well, and the heels yeah. go. Yeah. It, you'd yeah.
2: be upsetting the apple card yeah. because if if you know when CM Punk gets in there, he wants to mm-hmm. get his hands on Seth Rollins or whoever he's feuding. Oh, well, Seth's not going to be in it. He'd be the champ. But you know what I mean. Cody yeah. wants his hands on Nakamura. So if he gets in there... And all of a sudden, Ricochet goes after him. People are like, what the fuck? They're going to think Ricochet. So for me, to see Jimmy Snucker, Hulk Hogan's tag team partner in the first WrestleMania, will
3: back up. Back you, you know, it, it, it's funny the way you're saying it. I understand where you're coming from. But in the question I gave you with the Royal Rumble of the past to today, I get where you're going with it. But in the past, it wasn't that weird. It wasn't that confusing. It was every man for themselves. It was every man for themselves. And that's not that right now. Every baby face for themselves back then. Every heel for themselves. So it was actually more interesting. It was more engaging for the fans to see a Royal Rumble. Yeah, there you go. It was more unpredictable reflection eyes for that, you know, for that standpoint. And again, for 1990 purposes, reflection eyes in TW, you know, this was the brainchild of Pat Patterson. This was his baby. So he took... He really put some onus into it. Now, I don't know. first again, one, 87 or 88? 88. On uh, USA Network, and that yep. was on free TV. Well, free cable TV. And then after Duggan 89.
2: Duggan
3: yeah, Duggan won that one. So. And then
2: Big John Studd won the second one.
3: hmm So, right. you know, that, that's the term of unpredictability. Because, again, the old moniker, Reflection Knights, was the Royal Rumble was more about the cash prize. The Royal Rumble was just more about prestige. Some another notch in the belt because, yeah, right, it was something different, and of course, right, it was once a year, and it was the you know the ultimate battle royal with that. But you know, TW, again, with with this, before we even talk about the matches, I know you always will talk about the matches that you saw. I just want to talk about 1990 in, in essence of the time it was when you heard the commentary again, certain things that you know, maybe like Reflection Nights you might be a little bit, you know, spoiled. You know, we judge about every commentary, We judge about, you know, every play-by-play, every analyst and all that stuff. But in our young'em days, TW, it was just a breath of fresh air to see a young, vibrant, no mustache having Tony Schiavone and Jesse the Body Ventura wearing a Mickey Mouse hat, just calling the play-by-play. You know, we all, know. you know, (coughs) excuse me, we all know, like, not only that, but we all know the nuances of Vince McMahon being in the ears of the of the commentators, you know, telling them what to say, coaching them of how to react, and all that stuff. But we didn't know this shit. It just and to me, it just felt fluid. Even for Tony Schiavone, his robotic ass, it just seemed right, like you just said, for him and Jesse The Body Ventura to be on the commentary team. What say you about the commentary
2: I, of '99? I enjoyed every second of it. It was it was weird because Tony's not there long, right? And he was
3: there for from eighty. He was there from WrestleMania eighty nine to March of nineteen ninety, and then went back right. to uh, WCW.
2: Right, so he's there a year, and he said it was because it's too bar- too far from home from his wife or whatever. I remember, but mm-hmm. he wasn't the over the top fanboy Tony Schiavone that he is in WCW and AEW. He was more professional, I guess, is what I'd say. And then Jesse Ventura was like vintage Jesse. Like they just nailed it. There was no fluff, and. Mm-hmm. They even pointed out stuff that the camera didn't pick up, which I'm sure it was Vince saying, hey, let them know Brett got eliminated. And they're like, Brett just got eliminated, you know, because you didn't see mm-hmm. it on camera. They covered everything good, and fluid is the perfect word because they didn't talk over each other. They, they were solid together. And I was like, man, this could have been so much more with those two if Tony doesn't quit. And I don't know how much longer Jesse leaves after that. But uh, uh,
3: Jesse was there until probably july of 90 1990 and then he left
2: yeah and and then mm-hmm. they end up together in wcw but uh yeah wcw saturday night but it was good and it wasn't like like for tony Schiavone. i'm not picking on AEW because i felt the same way on nitro he made it about him and in this particular thing even jesse wasn't making it about him they were sticking to the to the match or the match mm-hmm. is jesse would throw his you know Two cents in, like, what's the warrior doing that for? That's despicable, whatever. But he still mm-hmm. focused on the warrior, not getting himself over. And and Jesse was good. It was a couple times when Tony, when I forgot it was Tony, it was just, it was good. They were really, really, really good together.
3: Uh, again, like I said, we just. When we're young, T.W., when we are in our kiddom, our, in our teenage, whatever the case may be, we're just looking at the product on the TV. We're not thinking about backstage politics. We're not thinking about the nuances. We're not thinking about the production. We're just focusing on the task at hand. And with that being said, reflection nights, we're going to talk about certain things within this role. We're not going to go like move for move and what happened and all that stuff. You know how we do it here. We, you know, it's like wiping your ass, you know, front to back, side to side, up and down, you know, poking it, you know, like TW's gonna be doing that, poking, he's gonna be pitching it in that butthole to get it all happen, neither here nor there. But let's start with the first match because, again, the thing that I was like so surprised at was the crowd was into the whole fucking show. We don't have that really anymore, TW, where this this crowd was into certain matches. That for today's purposes, I would have, you know, you'd be like bathroom break gonna, or if you're there, you're going to be like, you know, I'm going to get a beer. You want something? I don't care. I don't care about this match. But the first match that opened the show, Reflection Nights, and again, I haven't seen the Royal Rumble 1990 in so many years because, you know, if it wasn't for a podcast and doing some research and doing some taking some notes here and there, I'd probably just like, you know, I'm the, I'm the kind of guy that keeps saying this, T.W., I watched 92 over and over and over again because that's my favorite Royal Rumble of all time. But again, neither here nor there, that's semantics. But the opening show was the Fabulous Rougeau Brothers versus the Bushwhackers. TW. And two things caught the professor's eyes. One, on a political scale, why are Americans booing the Rougeau Brothers who are staunch American citizens? They did it the right way. They did not go over the wall. They did not come in illegally. They did the right things they sign their visas and all that stuff they sign their paperwork they're staunch US citizens we should be praising them they're not illegal migrants and all that stuff us Americans should be strange strange you did it the right way i'm just saying again people are stupid these are our heroes these are american heroes this is the way immigration supposed to work you motherfucking democrats okay I, I ain't going on a political tirade but on the other scale tw was the reaction of their opponents, the Bushwhackers. And this reflects nice. And if go back, and T.W., if you saw this, you, you probably will agree with this. I'm talking about the reaction of the crowd. It doesn't, it's not about like you heard a roaring thunder for the Bushwhackers. But when the c- camera panned back, you saw 16, almost 16,000 people in the o- Orlando Arena. And I'm going with a percentage, T.W., Eighty percent, and that's a big fucking deal. Eighty percent of sixteen thousand people were doing the Bushwhacker dance. You heard the music coming in, and then they panned it back. TW, again, when you talk about wrestling back then to wrestling now, it is such night and day. So what's say TW about that? It,
2: it, it's insane. It, you know, it's funny because you brought the Bushwhackers. I'm going to bring up somebody that's in a uh, Royal Rumble that did a promo. It was backstage, but the Bushwhackers. They cheered every good guy. Like it didn't matter who the fuck it was, they cheered him. Oh. And the uh-huh. Bushwhackers especially. And they booed the Rougeos because they were mocking the American. They were the all American flying Canadian. They did ever.
3: not mock America. They were they true America. Blue America. I was the like, thing I
2: noticed be. was A, the Rougeos were in terrible shape. Like they were not in good shape. <laughs> and I just remember them being in good I thought everyone was muscular back then, but they, they had dad bodies and just they were just big, right? And uh, uh-huh. but they were fun. And then I remember Jimmy Hart being with them. They were good guys. And then turned back. They had one of the one of the most. They had the Bret Hart heel turn before Bret did. They were baby faces. They were getting booed. And then all they of a sudden up. started calling themselves the All-Americans. And then hired Jimmy Hart. And the and the full heel turn was made. But I remember that me being feeling sorry for him that people were booing him. It was almost like the Rocky. Die, Rocky, die. They were just booing these guys. And, uh. So when they finally turned heel, they were always funny to me. Um, But the Bushwhackers, they loved them. And I remember people to this day are still like, I can't believe the fucking Sheep Herders got turned into that. But I promise you that those guys never had it easier because all they had to do was this, lick Mm -hmm. some kids' heads, wrestle an easy match, and they probably made way more money in that 20 years in WWE with the Legends contract. And then the barbaric shit they did as the Sheep Herders, which again, again, I was stunned, because I used to be afraid of those guys, and then all of a sudden, they're that, plus I got to wrestle them, eventually, and they were two of the nicest dudes you ever meet in your life, compared to what I thought they were when I was a kid, Mm -hmm. when I was like, I don't want to be in the same state as those guys, let alone building, and it's just, it's insane how into everything they were, and again, I said this on a different podcast. The
3: the sheep herders were pit bulls, but the bushwhackers were yorkins, that's the the great analogy. They were ding-dongs, and, but... (laughs) The th- other thing that shot me was they went over.
2: They never got the tag belts, but they went over on a team that did get the tag belts and went over
3: clean with the Bushwhacker batting ram. Ruchos never got the tag. Oh, they, never got the well, tag then belt. it was
2: the Quebecers that got them with, mm-hmm. uh, when they were dressed as Mounties. But but what I'm saying is they went over, and I'm so used to the Bushwhackers losing that for them to win, I was like, whoa. Like, they did put them over. But th- the other guy I was going to say in the Battle Royal who's, to me, God rest his soul, I wouldn't want to go out like this, but Dino Bravo, to me, was vanilla as shit. Like, he was boring as a heel, even uh-huh. worse when they tried to make him a baby face, and they booed that dude like he was Dominic Mysterio. They just... Because they just... they it, when, when people came out for the Rumble, the uh-huh. crowd saw them and immediately had a reaction to every single person. And I, to get back to comparing it to today... There's guys that come out for the Royal Rumble, and you'll you'll see it soon, where the crowd has no reaction at all, boo or cheer, they just right. don't care, and that's what I was saying about back then, all these guys minus and not that I think badly of Coco or Marty Jannetty or the uh, the Warlord or Neidhart, but nobody thought they were gonna win is my point, right? They mm-hmm. but everyone else, if they would have won nobody would have been surprised if Dusty Rhodes won it, right? And, and D.B. Austin awesome I, I, get, I
3: get you. I, I get you. But, but let, nowadays, just
2: you it. know this guy's not winning, that guy's not winning. And, and you know what, though? Mm-hmm. I still hold out hope because especially when there's two things that are in play. One, you can pick Roman or uh, Seth Belt, But also, like, didn't the Money in the Bank winner? Can pick any champion, right? So someone could win the Rumble and choose mm-hmm. the, the, the NXT champion or choose someone else, and someone might say, why would you go well,
3: for that? And, and, i the world title. In, in hindsight, you can only pick the world champions of the three brands. The the oh, Raw so, one, okay. the SmackDown, so, or so the NXT one. So you can have ones.
2: an NXT guy win and challenge for the NXT title. Trick Williams can win it out of nowhere and then challenge uh, Ilya because he wants another shot,
3: right? Give or uh, take, yeah. Because uh, you hypothetically, know if you
2: challenge yeah. Roman, you're losing. You know, if you challenge Seth, you're losing. But if you feel like you got Ilya's number, you can win. So I hold out hope that one day some wild card is going to win the Royal Rumble that you never saw coming.
1: And I,
3: I don't, I don't know if, we're, if the world's ready for that yet.
2: But they, we're going to find out if they ever did it.
3: But but let, let's go back to the opening match here because again. While the the semantics, T.W., of of course, why are, like, Gen Zers and the LGBTQIA community is booing the Rougeos is beyond me, but neither here nor there. <laughs> but the Bushwhackers, like you said, over as fuck. But the match is not that good. Uh, again, because the, she, the the Bushwhackers are not a, as fluid of a tag team, you know, when they're working. They're brawlers, they're bruisers. But, they, like you said, T.W., they got paid and they made it work for the for the style they do and again if the roles were reversed and the rujoes were the quote unquote real good guys and the bushwhackers were in their sheep herder's mode maybe the match would be more crisper maybe make more sense and all that stuff but like you said you know Vince McMahon it's the pay-per-view and he wants to make the the crowd happy and 16,000 people were happy and doing the bushwhacker dance when they got the win and again Hindsight's 2020 TW. Bushwhackers with the battering ram. I forgot that was that was actually a cool move for, for what they did and for what, you know, for what their limited abilities were in the ring. So that was actually a good finishing maneuver for them to win that match. And it just dawned on the professor, like, you know, as much as anything, we always talk about like the, the landscape of wrestling business wise. We knew that Hulk Hogan had to be in the main event. We knew Hulk Hogan had to have be in the world title picture. You know, but if the times were reversed, people would be saying the Bushwhackers right now in 2020 threats. Why not give them a, at least a title shot? Why not give them, give them a title run? Give them like an overnight title win and all that stuff. I don't, but again, the same thing applies. Sometimes we did not care if our favorites never got that brass ring. They just, as long as they were over and the crowd loved it and the storylines made sense and the match made sense. Winner, winning or losing didn't mean nothing, but at least the fans gave the reaction that the Bushwhackers needed. What say you t- about that assessment?
2: Yeah, and if they lost, people were upset that they lost because they liked them. So that, that that's another reason to have them lose is because you want the fans to come back so they can win next time or whatever. If all you did was win, people are going to get sick of you. Just ask John Cena. It's probably coming Cody's way. Um, mm-hmm. People are fickle. It's like you don't want them to lose if they lose, it's bad booking. But if they all they do is win, I'm sick of this. Blah, 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 blah. But yeah. The thing about Hogan being the main event, though, this wasn't this this was just set up. This is probably Hogan's first Royal Rumble, too, right? He probably wasn't in those two TV specials.
3: No, he was he was in the last Royal Rumble in '89. This was his second when John straight Sugg Royal won? Rumble. Yeah.
2: Okay. But mm-hmm. the the at uh, the end of the day there was he was just winning money and and to say he won a royal rumble it wasn't to become the number one contender and i was a little disappointed he slid in the ring and didn't have his belt should have wore that belt out man you're a champ represent mickey you, james you keep,
3: you, you keep forwarding to the main event i'm trying i know you got that uber i he know brought up Hogan. I, again he i know I, 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 no no, no. You, you 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 didn't hear what i said i said business-wise Hogan's in the main event. Hogan's right. in the title scene. I'm just saying for the Bushwhackers, we're not complaining that they're not in the title scene. We're not complaining that they didn't get a title run. I'm but, stunned that they beat the Rujos. Th- before we go to they the next They always match. lost, man. Not all the time. They did win. Yeah, against jobbers. That still counts. Wins and losses matter. In the <laughs> record books, a win is a win. But anyway, neither here nor there. So Another match we could talk about really quickly before we get to the, you know, main appetizer. Well, main course, not the main appetizer of the Royal Rumble match because T.W. is just, you know, he's chomping at the bit. Again, the Uber's coming. I got that. Mm -hmm. We must at least try to, like, put the appetizers in. But the next match was a bathroom match to, to a degree, a beer chugging match. But it had purpose because, again, there were this was an example of the Easter eggs of 1990 and that was brutus the barbara Cake against the genius aka laney popo and tw the reason that i'm calling this an easter egg match is because what was supposed to happen later on you saw this within the match it was the appetizer for the main storyline of brutus the Barber pk because in the future he was going up against Mr. Perfect Kurt Henning. It was supposed to be that program for six to eight months, whether it was going to be for the IC title in, in later in, ni- in 19- 1990. But again, the Kerry Von Eric, I don't want to go into that, but you, you, you know where I'm going with it was supposed to be beefcake against perfect in some strange scenario and all that stuff. And you see the Easter eggs. And of course being Hulk Hogan's butt buddy, right? TW the butt buddy syndrome, but being the bug buddy of Hulk Hogan, you are in these great programs. So, you know, Brutus Barra against, you know, Lanny Poffo here. But uh, the one thing about this match, Reflection Nights in TW, is again, when you compare it to the past, to the present, was the result. Double disqualification.
1: You don't see that to, in today's wrestling. Which Reflection I don't Heights.
2: understand why Beefcake got disqualified. He got the dude in the sleeper hole, and Mr. Perfect beat him up.
3: It it doesn't have to make sense. Did he bump the ref? Yeah, I think the ref was bumped, I think, by B-Cake, you know, again, with all that stuff. It was more semantics. But the end result is just funny to me, T.W., double disqualifications. You don't see that on a Raw, a SmackDown, a Dynamite, a Collision. You don't see that on a pay-per-view anymore. It's just like, again, it boggles the mind of the professor to have something simplistic as a double disqualification. And again, maybe because of the highs of highs of the bushwhackers and 16,000 people dancing their asses off, you needed something to kind of like calm the crowd down. That's the way I took it from this result. Again, like I said, it's an Easter egg for something big for on a grander scale between Beefcake and Perfect. And Perfect, you know, came in and did his damage on Brutus Beefcake. But not only one, two things happened. lady Poffa got his hair cut. And two, Mr. Perfect gave a receipt to, to Brutus the Barber BK. But, T.W., in my humble opinion, this was to calm the crowd down so this way because they wanted to amp them up for late, for the future of the show. What say you?
2: Well, they put them to sleep in the next match. But, <laughs> so, so here's my Mandela effect I was talking about. Okay. I always, th- my memory has always been until this past week. That the Ultimate Warrior beat Honky's on Man. Because he was filling in for Beefcake, who had that accident. He did. And so when I see Beefcake versus Lanny Poffo in this match, mm-hmm. and I'm like, what in the fuck is happening here? Because this is a year and a half after that. Beefcake mm-hmm. just got replaced by the Warrior. Beefcake doesn't have his accident until June of 90. This is right. before that. So I'm like, what? So I think Kerry Von Eric is the replacement for Beefcake Mm -hmm. and beats perfect for the belt because it was supposed to be perfect versus Beefcake. But I completely, Mm -hmm. my entire life thought 88 is when Beefcake had that happen because it was 92 when it was Hogan. It's 92 when, uh, your, your, your Mandela
3: lost to Hogan at the end of WrestleMania. Again, now you're putting a lot of things together. I'll try to fix this for your Mandela effect in 88. Either they wrote him off because he wanted some time off. But he was scheduled to face the honky-tonk man at SummerSlam right. 88. So yeah. whether they wrote him off They were bitching or about
2: it in a shoot interview yeah. saying that the Warriors' uh, tantrum that he threw cost Beefcake his
3: IC run. Again, neither here nor there, but they wrote him off. But it was supposedly a storyline injury. 1990 was a legitimate injury where they had to make safe face on that. So with, with that being said. But, again, Beefcake was supposed to get ser- certain opportunities 1990, again, this program between him and Mr. Perfect was the Easter egg, TW, for bigger and better things. Again, we did not know where it was going to be going for the, uh, what you call it. for, I did not know it was going to be for the I.C. belt because, again, the Warrior had the I.C. belt at, right. at that particular right. time. It was just supposed to be a high-profile, mid-card storyline with all that stuff. But you're right about the match, per se. Again, genius Lanny Puffett could only do so much with a poem. But that's before the bell. Brutus The barbecue, cake can do only do so much with, sh- you know, showing his scissors. But that's before the bell. Once the bell rings again, you're right. I I want to go to the bathroom, and you said, and you fell asleep three no, times. No, the next match. No, I fell oh.
2: asleep watching the Bushwhacker match. The next match is absolute Nyquil and a TV screen.
3: Okay, so let's put a bow on this Beefcake uh, Lanny powerful match in this certain instance. So what say you about this? Because again. I said this, it doesn't happen anymore. And I'm not talking about the match per se, but just to put on a pay-per-view, a double disqualification results. We're in ni- This is 1990 TW 2023. That's 33 years later. Do you remember any more double disqualifications on, on pay-per-views? You can oh. mo- maybe count on your hand, a double disqualification happening on pay-per-view. That's how. How, like you know? It would have been in
2: your house or something that was setting up the next month's big match.
3: Whether it's in your house, but again, you can count on your hands Reflectionites, double disqualification result on a WWE pay-per-view. That's the thing that just boggled the professor's mind. Now, the funny thing about the next match, uh, Reflectionites TW said he went to sleep. I want to say this, TW. Technically, if you are looking at it from 2020 dress size, this is a match of the year for New Japan. This is a match of the year candidate for AEW Dynamite or Collision. This is a match of the year for all the indie marks out there because this is hard hitting, this is strong style, this is all that stuff for all the the marktars out there. TW might you might give me a look, but Christopher Paul proust Winland will understand this. Donnie Day One will understand this. Greenpeace will understand this. Jeff Lifman will understand this. Ronnie rugged Ronnie Garvin versus Greg the Hammer Valentine. For this match, for this time period, is on the same level as Oka- as Omega versus Osprey, Okada versus Omega. Hard-hitting, strong-style shit here that went for, what, maybe 15, 20 minutes. And this was an I-quit match, TW. This was the match of the night for IWC Mark Tards. You might not like Ronnie Garvin for 1990 purposes. You might not like Greg the Hammer Valentine for 1990 purposes. I get you. But they had a storyline. Remember before getting to this match, TW, logistically speaking, Ronnie Garvin, you know, was forced to retire because of Greg the Hammer Valentine. This was a six-month feud. He put him out of of wrestling, and Ronnie Garvin had to be a referee, a ring announcer, a bell keeper, and he kept fucking over Greg the Hammer Valentine matches. So on paper, it was funny as shit. It was entertaining for wrestling challenge and superstars of wrestling. And by the time you came to the Royal Rumble, now TW, I might convince you if you t- to wake up and you know get some Red Bull in you and watch this match again. You'll be like this. This was the match of the night for Royal Rumble purposes. So what say you, TW? Why did you fall asleep? On it the didn't match have of the much night?
2: competition because the next match is also hot trash. And no, you're right, long. but I'm just but focus on this match. What everything it, I it's said. Just, it's too long. It's 16 and a half minutes. I'm sorry, almost 17 minutes of boring. And the Hammer Jammer, it's figure fours, it's chops. And and here's the thing. I said the crowd booed every good guy and they booed every bad guy. But this is probably the one match where it was gratuitous cheering and gratuitous booing because they did not care about either one of these guys. What do you they mean did, they did not care? They popped, about the chops, the chop-offs, and the slap-offs. At the right times, when when Valentine took heat, um, but I don't think they cared, you know, with the finish. Uh, hey, man, Ronnie Garvin won. Yes, he did, and he won with the sharpshooter. Yeah, yeah, a stiff-ass sharpshooter. But they they did one thing. I will tell you, they did do it well. They they did the hammer jammer. They did the teases where they both tried to pin the other guy. Like that doesn't count. The one problem I did have is. This is a submission match. You can only win by submission. So in that okay. rule, there is no rope break. And they kept doing rope breaks when they did big four leg locks.
3: That's well, not how not, it works. Well, remember, the evolution of the submission match has grown since 1990, TW. Again, yeah, they
2: don't break in, the fucking submission yeah. hole in USA when you're holding the cage.
3: I'm just saying the intricacies of certain rules in 1990 has evolutionized the Submission match, the I quit match. I get you with the you know now you're looking at it from 2020 thrust eyes, you're looking at it from the evolution. See, he's looking at his watch reflection nice because the Uber's coming at any minute now. I'm telling you, I'm <laughs> I'm working with you. I'm working with you. Don't worry about this. But anyway, the evolution of the I quit match again from from Magnum TA Telly Blanchard and all that's to this to now where we at. This match was the match of the night because again, it was hard-hitting, high impact stuff. They had a storyline between Greg Valentine's erroneous injury on his, hammer, erroneous. On his erroneous, erroneous injury on his calf, where he had the hammer jammer uh, calf protector. So run, rugged Ronnie Garvin got the rugged jammer for his his hamstrings and, and protecting himself. But then psychologically, TW they were what were they doing? Working on their legs, working on the supposed injuries. I thought it was a brilliant match. Brilliant, it was good, match. but nobody cared. That's what I'm it telling you. Me. Nobody cared. Was- again, the crowd popped for this match. This was the match of the night.
1: No, it
2: looked like fucking two old women from Prisoner Cell Block H were wrestling each other.
3: Built like them, too. And it just, it's just like, if you could go back in hindsight. You have distorted my head because I'm looking at Greg Ball- Hammer Valentine. Yes, that is a woman from "Uh, Orange is the New Black. She's one of those women. Prisoner
2: Cell Block H. Look it up. It's an old Canadian show. Also, Throw Mama from the Train with Blonde Hair is Greg Valentine. Absolutely. If you could, like, as a kid, I knew who Ronnie Garvin was because he won the world title in Detroit September 25th, 1987. I remember Coba Hall. I remember it was a big deal. So when he went there, I was happy. I I did like Ronnie Garvin. But in hindsight, one -hmm. of these things just doesn't belong. It's his old ass. And I remember. I forgot all about it, so you just said it. He looked good as a referee. He looked good as a ring announcer, and it was funny. It was comedy, but it was. It, 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 he probably should have kept doing it. He would have been a good ref. He was short, but he wouldn't take your shit and whatever. But, but fun fact, uh-huh. I don't even know if he does it since he's been back, but Randy Orton's stomp
3: is a uh-huh. tribute to Ronnie Garvin. Yeah, Randy Arden stopped doing this stuff for for a long yeah, but that, time.
2: He did that as a tribute to Ronnie Garvin, and I thought that's pretty cool because you would think Ronnie Garvin first of all, Ronnie Garvin's like fifty years old here, and that makes him eighty something now,
3: right? Well, uh, I don't know if he's fifty something. I think yeah, he's probably dude, in his late. Dude, he's fifty
2: something years old in nineteen ninety. He is at least balls deep in his well, like forties. I'm going to forty. I go with I go with forty. Let's go. Let's check it out. He was this motherfucker was born in nineteen forty five. He was forty five years old in that mm. match.
3: OK, well, but he that, was
2: 45 that, in the time when 45 was Wilford Brimley. Motherfucker. He. Right. So now he's 70
3: something now. Yeah. No, I, next I, year, he will be 80. he will be 80 next year. God bless him. So, you know, with that being said, Reflection Ice, we'll, you know, we're going to brief. Well, you know what? Let's not really talk about the last match between Hacksaw Jim Duggan and uh, Big Boss Man. Because, again, I think, again, it's followed the same formula. Even though T.W., again, I'm the most objective man in this IWC, YWC, P.W.C. punditry. Bushwhackers brought you the, on the highest of highs, and the Genius match calmed you down. The submission match was, was the match of the night, brought you to the highest of highs, and, of course, Hacksaw Jim Duggan and Big Boss Man brought you down to calm you down because, again, what do you mean timeout?
2: This is fucking hilarious. What? So we all know they were portrayed as brothers on TV, Jimmy and Ronnie Garvin. Okay. okay, But in the yeah. reality, they were father and stepson. Mm-hmm. Ronnie Garvin was born in 1945. Do you know what year Jimmy Garvin was born? 50-something. 50
3: 52. That means mm-hmm. he's only
2: seven years older than him. That means he turned Jimmy Garvin's mama into a cougar. <laughs> That's hilarious. It,
3: it's very he hilarious. He
2: probably met her hanging out with Jimmy. He probably said, I'm going to fuck your mom. And then he did. It, it's very white trashy. That's it just the works. Motherfucker, this black dude, Smokey, fuck
3: somebody's mom. <laughs> <laughs> talking about. I'm just, no, it, it's universal. Hey, it's very. It, someone right now fucking some friend of his mom right now. That, that's besides the point. But anyway, this is Jerry <laughs> Lee. This is Jerry Lee Lewis kind of shit. But anyway, again, we're not talking about the, the Hacksaw, Jim Duggan, Big Bubba, uh, Big Bossman match, TW. Put that out of your, your thing. Again, the main thing about the Royal Rumble pay-per-view, again, before the match itself, of course, is Mean Gene. Uh, giving those, uh, interviews backstage, TW, again, another lost art between the Royal Rumbles of yesteryear to the Royal Rumbles of today, because it's not really done the right way anymore. Again, the right person is not doing it, but again, that's hindsight. That's, you know, maybe nitpicking on the professor's point, but of course, one of the main questions that mean Jing and Sean Mooney, the expert journalists have got to ask these wrestlers is what did you draw? And of course, again, TW Storytelling, long-term storytelling. 1989, million-dollar man Ted DiBiase, for example, Reflection Nights bought his way to pick number 30. And because of Jack Tunney and all the expert and extra security, million-dollar man Ted DiBiase, TW's favorite, drew number one. So TW, with the interviews backstage, Ted DiBiase got the dreaded number one pick. Mr. Perfect got the perfect uh, draw, the number thirty pick. You know, it fits the formula with all the things because again, the right people represent the right, you know, area to, you know, just for the crowd to start up. So, what say you about, you know, all that stuff heading into the Royal Rumble match itself?
2: What up you doing? it up the band, dude.
3: It, this they don't even do
2: this anymore. That's 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 something they should bring back. They can't bring Gene back because he's dead, by the way. Well, of um, but they should have like bring Sean Mooney back. Somebody great Craig
3: DeGeorge. George. They brought Craig DeGeorge George back on something. Not that long ago. I mean, it was a raw. No they, brought, no, they brought back Sean Moody back. Yeah.
2: Well, anyway, Craig DeGeorge George does uh, hockey for either the New Jersey devils or, um, <laughs> Vegas or San Jose or somebody. I watched him on one of my, I had that ESPN plus and Craig DeGeorge is maybe it's Nashville. I don't know. Anyway, he does hockey mm-hmm. and, okay. uh, but they need to bring that back, man. It, you know you know what the sad thing about modern-day Royal Rumbles is? The Love focus that. isn't on the Royal Rumble. Like, these four matches that we talked about, Bushwhackers versus Rujos is a throwaway match. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bossman versus Duggan, which is, by the way, tip of the hat to the UWF. Big Bubba Rogers versus Jim Duggan was UWF World Heavyweight Championship title matches on uh, UWF. Um, mm-hmm. Throwaway match. Um genius and beefcake clearly a throwaway match and then you had the one big feud which got the most time was beefcake or i'm sorry ba- valentine and uh, Garvin. now they stacked the royal rumble where every match is like there's a world title match there's a world tag title match there's gunthers defending his belt or walter whatever the fuck he's called uh what is he gunther yeah gunther so the royal rumble itself doesn't take a back seat, but it doesn't get the front seat either. You know what I mean? It's almost like a bus instead of mm-hmm. uh, a car. And that I think they need to go back to doing just like they the Survivor Series is not the Survivor Series anymore. You know, the one thing I would take for the Survivor Series, I think, and it became its own pay-per-view, the elimination chamber would still be about surviving, right? So the elimination chamber, the original one being on a survivor series made sense to me because there's six guys in these fucking pods. And well, four
3: in the pods, two to start, and who's going to survive? You mean it? you mean the you mean the theme of something for the Survivor Series, like the yes. Elimination Chamber or it's the War Game? Still an elimination it, situation. It's, it's still something prevalent, yes, for something. Yeah, but the Royal Rumble is like fuck, and there's a girl
2: one on top of it. So you got mm-hmm. one of them starts the show, one of them ends the show, and then you got seventeen other matches that have some kind of stakes, and it it takes it away. it it almost should go back to being like. Ricochet versus Bronson Reed should be a match. Because
3: remember, you'd but today, have the but Rockers to, but today's the doesn't stress. want. But the t- today's crowds doesn't understand I, that, I know, and they don't I want to I know
2: that. today's fan is the reason to blame. But yes. I'm telling you, you, can you look me in the eye right now and tell me that when we watched this Royal Rumble or anything from 1988 to fucking 92 even, everything we watched, the crowd fucking ate it up. They liked everything. What it was made my it opening? better.
3: What the, what was my opening remark for this? this but is today's what it was. fan
2: is like, ah, fucked it. There's someone in the audience bitching the entire show or mm-hmm. on TV or on the internet. Nobody's happy unless everybody's happy and everybody is never happy. So it's it's just, it, it was a, I watch it and I, I, I always assume I'm not as big a wrestling fan anymore because I did it. Uh, Again, my favorite line to use is Jerry Maguire. I've been to the puppet show. I've seen the strings. You do not look at it the same way anymore, right? Of course, of course not. However, NXT Black and Gold kind of gave me that fan vibe again. And what did they have going for them besides awesome wrestlers? Because they still do. They had a fucking audience that ate it up. And it was Mm -hmm. awesome to watch. And then the product was good on top of it. Because, again, not to knock AEW down again, their audience is kind of fun to watch, but the product sucks. It's not the mm-hmm. same wrestling that we liked. Like, I one of the things that, that that always is said by older wrestlers, Flair says it, Piper said it, does all these guys. One line else says he could work. He could mm-hmm. work. And I think that has been replaced with the modern day wrestler saying they can wrestle. They can wrestle. Those are two different things. And wrestling does not work a fucking crowd. Working a crowd works a crowd. One of the guys in this Royal Rumble, who I think would be booed off the TV today, booed off any mm-hmm. any promotion, I don't give a fuck what it is, Bronson Reed would be the modern version of him, except for he does too much and talks too much. Okay. And they called him the Canadian earthquake at this point, but earthquake. Mm-hmm. Earthquake today would never fly. But earthquake then, fucking fans were scared of him. Wrestler sold his shit. He was a fucking monster. It took eight guys to throw him over the top rope, and and it all worked. It all you bought every fucking second of him on stream.
3: In essence, TW, we have to be honest. Nineteen ninety is probably the last, maybe pure year of wrestling fandom in in terms of crossover, in terms of Americana, in terms of all that stuff. Because again getting a little bit older 92 is good Flair. no no no. i'm talking about popularity fandom crossover and all that stuff there's again the wrestling bubble is one thing i'm just talking about the the purity of what you're talking about for the larger than life and all that stuff it was getting to that point we just it was on its last legs and even wwe didn't even know it themselves they were trying to hold on to whatever the case may be but for the royal rumble pay-per-view itself in 1990 when you see like teddy biasi being pissed off that he he drew number one, talking about it. When you see uh, Mr. Perfect being, you know, gloating, drawing the perfect number 30. When you see the Heenan fan, Sean Mooney being a dick, trying to like stir up the Heenan fan and saying, what number did you get? What number did you get? So what happens if all three of you are, in, in the, are the last three? Who's going who's gonna to win the match? And of course, Bobby Heenan is trying to control his guys. The, the, the little nuances of why the Royal Rumble is a special match is a lost art right now because, again, we're all about the production. We're all about the storylines. We're all about booking it ourselves. And of course, we're all about the flippity floppity do's, TW. So, with that being said, let's talk about the main event here ding at ding the Raw Rumble. I forgot the I forgot the ring bell. I, I gotta get I gotta work on that. But again, when it's episodic, I don't we don't do a lot of episodic over and over again. So I have to, Howard Finkel
2: Ray should slip in Howard Finkel in
3: there. He he already does bring too it much. back. Damn it, we're he a nostalgic podcast and to bring back our nostalgic shit. He 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 does a lot of shit. So the, you know again, it's the main event here at the Royal Rumble nineteen ninety, and it actually is the Royal Rumble match itself. T W so. With that being said, the man who drew the infamous number 1 was the million dollar man Ted DiBiase and TW th- the funny thing is would it have been funny, you know, I don't want to like harp on a on a previous episode that we did. But remember, we did the what if, right? We did the what if Ted DiBiase won the WrestleMania tour- 4 tournament. So let's just say this is with with it being 1990. Again, maybe I'm kind of putting a, a Putting a curveball to UTW. But before you talk about the nuances that happen in this match in real, real life, let's put a little what if curve. Would have been intriguing, right? For Teddy Bias, let's say this is 1990. Let's say this is his second reign. He found a way to get the belt back. He lost it like we did. We, You know how Ray said Dusty Rose would have won in an 89. Teddy Bias won it again. So it would have been funny. Or like I said, Piper would have won in an 89. Ted DiBiase found a way to win it again. But he comes into this Royal Rumble as the number one draft, number one pick, with the number one pick, and he's the champion. It would have just been intriguing. It would have just made it different in my eyes. Would you agree with that assessment? What
2: I like about DiBiase being pissed and what I like about Perfect being gloating is from Perfect at 30 all the way to him at one, DiBiase, everybody made you feel like they wanted to win it. They absolutely, mm-hmm. like, it was a big deal to win the Royal Rumble. Everybody that came out, came out hot, except for Shawn Michaels. Um, <laughs> and it just, it felt
3: like a big well, he, he he knew what was going to happen, so he couldn't, you couldn't, like, mask that, so.
2: Right, and it felt like a big match. And DiBiase being world champion and draw number one would have been awesome, because it would have been a comeuppance. It would have been... You know the fans like ha ha ha. You know what I mean. Like and mm-hmm. Perfect's the up and comer, so he
3: gets thirty. Last year he had one. I think wasn't it the opposite. No, last year uh, Perfect had like number eight or something like okay. that in he the eighty nine. Last year he
2: had number one, but but mm-hmm. the bottom line is it's 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 just it's this this man. It, it's ninety two is good, obviously. Which one had forty? The one Ray Ro- uh, Mysterio one, right?
3: I uh, mean forty uh, participants. That was yeah. like two thousand eleven. And Ray won that one, right? No. Um, uh, oh. the real one that one.
2: Oh, wow. Yeah. Oh, shit, I didn't even know he won one.
3: But, um, mm-hmm.
2: Nakamura won one. So, yeah. But, um, yeah. DiBiase as champ would have been even better because, again, and then here's another thing about his Royal Rumble that doesn't happen anymore. At one what? point, you had Slick, Fuji, Jimmy Hart, and, and Bobby Heenan, and Virgil all mm-hmm. ringside. Getting into it with each other, Heenan and Fuji were about to drop gloves. Mm-hmm. And because Haku and uh, Warlord or something? I think were are fighting. Um, Perfect and Rude got into it, and they were
3: Heenan family, which well, Perfect said, per- Perfect wasn't in the Heenan family just yeah, yet. He yeah, was a, he was an independent contractor. You could say.
2: Yeah, he had Frenchie Frenchie Martin before that or whatever.
3: No, he w- technically he was uh, oh, he was just coach. No, he was running with the genius. It was just him and the genius yeah. being a. Yeah, the himself. coach,
2: the guy with the towel?
3: The a year later, ninety one.
2: Okay, so but yeah, this there, just it's just so much cool shit here. But the managers made it feel like a big deal. The the wrestlers mm-hmm. made it feel like a big deal. People were mad if they got a high number. They were mad if they got a low number. Um, no, no, not low. Happy if they got a low. Number. Like low meaning one of the last ones
3: this, in. again. Deep Gosse yeah, is they,
2: world champ. Great idea yeah. because again, having him be number one is is the opposite, but also the same reaction is Flair drawing number one and winning the belt. Right, mm-hmm. yeah. and the only thing that would have made it better is if DiBiase had the belt, and it was for the belt. Like you got number one, and if you don't win the Royal Rumble, you're not champion anymore. The, and they could
3: have, they could have changed that. Could have changed the dynamic uh, a couple of years earlier before they even right. taught taught it, started implementing the title scenario picture. So with that being said, now let's get back into the realities of this DiBiase drawing number one, and of course, you know. The like I said, TW the Easter eggs of things that were going to happen within, you know, telling the stories later on into 1990, telling the stories working into WrestleMania six. So one of the things with DiBiase being number one, he was he had to take the brunt of the work. He was there for like 45 minutes, so you know it was it was it was a record at at first. But again, his biggest uh, protagonist, if you will, reflection nights was Jake. The Snake Robbers. While D'Biase was hoarding off Marty Jannetty, while D'Biase was hoarding off Coco Beware, of course, when Jake the Snakes Roberts theme song hit, again, 16,000 people in the Orlando Arena went crazy, to it. I mean, What say you about that kind of moment? Again, the right number at the right time, I'm not saying it's a lost art because they, you know they've tried to do it for every Royal Rumble in every situation, every year, but the early Royal Rumbles It just felt like they picked they had it at the right spots for the right people at the right draws. What's the ETW?
2: It it was, just yeah. I
3: mean, you have, you you got someone who,
2: it it would help him if he, do Dibiase out, but also someone that's not gonna
3: right. So Mm -hmm.
2: it was, it was, and people loved them. People loved them, like all those guys that everyone makes fun of for being circus wrestlers. Mm -hmm. All of them are fucking over like gangbusters. So, who better than to be whooping on DeBiasse for the first 2 minutes than a guy that people love, you know? And right. and make DeBiasse look like he might be losing. And mm-hmm. it just and then obviously Marty comes in next, but it it just everything's good. Like in the year before, was Axe vs Smash just started off. And that was awesome. And mm-hmm. they went at it. And then they when they did their interview, they they did whatever. But yeah, you got to have the right two starting off. Otherwise it's a part in church. Nobody cares.
3: No, well, it, it the, is, but but again, you know, the nuance of Jake the Snake at the order number after yeah. DiBiase like oh, threw yeah. out Marty Gennetti, threw yeah. out Coco Beware, yeah. and then you know the, the crowd is like antsy and they like I
2: misunderstood what you were saying, but yeah. yeah, yeah, for for sure. Jake come out, the place went bananas like like again, like only shit in the eighties did. Like the only time mm-hmm. you hear those reactions now is when someone makes a surprise return. Like, right. The Rock comes out. like I mean, they weren't chanting Jake the Snake, but, but they were like, oh, shit, hell yeah, here comes Jake. And he gets in there and just beats the shit out of him. And, again, everyone thinks, all right, he's out of there. And then little mm-hmm. do they know, no, he
3: ain't. He's going to yeah, be yeah. there
2: for 40 more minutes.
3: And then, again, another little Easter egg within this Royal Rumble match, TW, that, again, sprinkles into WrestleMania, sprinkles into SummerSlam, was between the Macho King. Oh, yeah, dig it. Randy Savage and the American Dream, Dusty Rhodes. It first parlayed into the brother love show between Sapphire, Sweet Sapphire, and We're Sensational, actually. and Sensational Queen Sherry. But within this Raw Rumble, Rumble match, hmm? all dead. Jesus Christ, T. W. What? <laughs> the Gatekeeper again. The Uber is coming in minutes, but he's trying to remind us of being, of being the Gatekeeper of the Dead. But anyway, neither here nor there. But. Of course, Macho King and, of course, Dusty Rhodes had their, you know, the brother love show happened a little bit earlier in the the Royal Rumble pay-per-view. But again, they had to interact with each other within the Royal Rumble match. And like you said, TW, you know, Jake the Snake wanted Million Dollar Man Ted DiBiase. But being so focused on one guy, the perfect uh, antagonist in the Macho King, Randy Savage, eliminates uh, Ted, uh, Teddy, yes. Eliminates Jake the Snake Roberts But of course the American Dween Dusty Rhodes is right there you know, To beat the shit out of Macho King Randy Savage What's us say about these little easter eggs With people fighting within the Royal Rumble itself And of course I'm going to talk it's, about the main easter yeah, egg it's,
2: it's awesome because Dusty said in his promo I'm going to come out there And if I got to wait for your ass I'll wait for you If you're out there first you better, I'm going to come get you if you're still in there when I get there And then when he did I don't know if they went right for each other. I think the people kind of cock blocked them a little bit, but they might have went mm-hmm. right for each other. Cause, uh, and he did it. And and Dusty Rhodes whooped Savage's ass and tossed his over the top rope. And mm-hmm. I think I told you this before. Whenever I did a Battle Royal show, not not now, that's all they do is battle royals. But when I did a match and then they made everybody do the battle royal at the end of the night, that was like the go home happy fucking match was the Battle Royal. Whoever I worked we would do that same thing. Like, if I went over on him, he'd eliminate me from the Battle Royal. Or Mm -hmm. if he went over on me, I'd throw him out of the Battle Royal or something like that. So, um, we always carried the match over into the Royal Rumble. So, that was always fun. Like, obviously, feuds. But Dusty's and Savage, that was that night that he was getting revenge the same night. And he said, Mm -hmm. oh, you got over in the, earlier on in the Brother Love show, but I'm going to get you back. And he did. It was per. It's like, it's a beginning, a middle, and an end, all in the same night. You know, even though they carried the featurmania, but but that night had a beginning, middle, and an end. It was yeah. one of the episodes, of sons of anarchy, where you didn't need to see the first one the week before or the one after it. It was all one episode that's nice, wrapped up in a bow.
3: And another Easter egg that happened within the match before we talk about the big one because that's that's the one that's why we're talking about the Royal Rumble 1990 was Roddy Piper and Bad News Brown. That's I guess the start it was, of it. It was the start of it because, again, you know, Bad News wanted to do his thing. And then, of course, Roddy Piper was doing his thing. And I, it was one of the most peculiar, not Easter XTW, because in hindsight, I looked at it as like, and I'm looking, again, with my 46-year-old eyes, I, I have to think like this. You went from a program in the to close out the 80s between Piper and Rick Rude. Again, and that was, to me, that was a big fucking deal. Like, Piper and Rick Rude were fighting each other. I thought they were going to probably interact within the Royal Roma match. They didn't. And of course this just came out of this to me felt like out of left field and all that stuff. Not no disrespect to bad news Brown. Again, you're going to tell me they're both dead. I got that part. No problem. (laughs) But it just was rude. This. Yeah, I know that too, but it just felt off to me to have Piper. I don't want to say it felt like a demotion, but maybe I understand in the business wise, maybe because of Piper's stock, it was Bad News a, a, Brown gets the rub to work right. with Piper and all that stuff. I get that part in the business-wise, but looking at it from the fandom eyes, I hate to be that kind of person and, and be that kind of fan. It just felt like a step down to Piper. Like You went from rude to Bad News Brown. It just felt weird to me. What say you, TW about that Easter egg? It, it was, and it was a disaster, too, because it led, yeah. it led
2: to one of the most— Now, one of the things you can't do now if you did it— yeah, you, Which,
3: can't pay, you can't pay. can't pay half your
2: face. As you know, a sixteen-year-old kid, I didn't think anything of, uh, along the lines of it being a racial thing. I thought it was he was. This is my evil side. This is my good side. Like because remember, Piper was one of the most hated people in wrestling, and now he's mm-hmm. one of the most beloved people
3: in wrestling since WrestleMania three. No, if he if he did that as a bad guy, I think it would have been well. I think for the times, you understood if he did it as a bad guy. Right. but being a good guy doing that, it was like, what the hell are you doing? But again, neither here nor there. I'm not trying to. Well, get he was it.
2: the whole point was he was saying bad news brought out the bad in him that he's been mm-hmm. trying to suppress.
3: Yeah. But again, this, this the, was the, the crazy thing
2: that- is is how bad news did it. He Piper eliminated him, and he mm-hmm. jumped up on there and just grabbed him by his hair and pulled him completely backwards over the top rope. And I was like, I wonder these two are really fucking mad at each other because one, I thought, Ben had to be mad at him, pull him out by his fucking hair. And then Piper mm-hmm. has to be mad that he just got pulled out by his hair because it was n- one hand hair pull pulled his ass over the top rope backwards, which, right. by the way, it ain't easy going over the top rope. It's uh, to the point where I've tried so many different ways mm-hmm. to go over a different way than just going over the top rope because you're afraid of what you're going to fucking land on, how you're going to land. And if you're going to get over that shit clean. And mm-hmm. so it's crazy. But, yeah, it, 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 it was the start of that feud. It almost... Defeats are uh, saying it wasn't the start of WrestleMania season because that's what it led to. And again,
3: but like I said, starting to to open the show, the difference, the nuances now is like we're told it's brainwashed into our it's embedded in our brains. It's the start of WrestleMania season. So whatever happens, happens there. These are Easter eggs that you got to remember going into the superstars, going into wrestling challenge and all that stuff. But again, before we get to the last kind of, face to face that matters again for the Royal Rumble purposes, TW, you know, with the Bronson Reed's and the Ivar's and the Otises of today, you know, being, you know, the, the, big guys that have to act that do all that cruiserweight shit that sometimes I'm a little, not a fan of TW, but for our 19 naughty Royal Rumble, when you see somebody like Akeem coming into the ring, like you talked about, the Canadian earthquake, badasses, and of course, the piece, the resistance, Andre the Giant. Just, the, just when their numbers are drawn and they come out the curtain and they're like, Andre the Giant is number 11, you know, for argument's sake. Holy shit, here he comes. He's going to beat the shit out of people. Not saying he's gonna, they're going to win it, but TW, just that aura and that he presence. He number 11. Oh, God, I got it off the top of my head. <laughs> but what's the UTW about the aura and the presence of the big monsters? Right. And again, today... And there were
2: so many of them in there that you weren't certain Andre was winning it. Because Earthquake is in it. Hakim's in it. And you you never know who's going to win it. Warlord. I mean, Warlord was handling fucking dudes in there that were big. Barbarian came in and mm-hmm. handled Hogan and Warrior, right? And so one thing I did take away from this watching it, it's mm-hmm. like... like I, God bless Big Show. Never took him serious. Never took him whatever. Like I don't. I remember there was a time when he was a serious heel, but he's just been comedy for a long, long time. Um, mm-hmm. Andre the Giant is a heel. Very, very underrated, and it's too bad it didn't happen sooner.
3: Like, is it un- Is it underrated or underappreciated?
2: Both. I think it's underappreciated because that's what made me think. Wow, man, he he was a really, really good bad guy, but he was limited. So that's, mm-hmm. it, it, it's, it's basically, if he could have turned heel sooner, mm-hmm. right? Instead of being the fucking go home happy, fucking slamming bot, Big John Studd and Bundy, like Hogan's fucking bodyguard, basically. If he would have did it when he could still go, mm-hmm. like imagine the Hogan-Andre match in 80, Well, but Hogan's be, the face and Andre's the well, heel.
3: To be foul. To be fair. You got, you got the heel that, well, we didn't get to see the heel that went. Because Andre did all that shit that you're talking about in Japan as right. the, as the grizzly as a bear. heel? The, yeah, as a heel. Went staunch uh, and he can go. He was the heel that can go. Everything you said, he did that in Japan first. But he so. was
2: he was different though, right? I mean, this big, large, like one strap, like the look of him was menacing. You you just felt like he was gonna whoop every remember he he fucking used to manhandle the warrior, just
3: fucking mm-hmm. choked yeah. him with his. Fucking straight. No, I'm, 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 just, I'm just saying, everything you said, it's too bad did that we didn't Japan. get it in WWE sooner. Yeah. yeah. No, no, but you're it right. Wasn't I'm just hurting, you know? I'm just being fair for logistical purposes before people correct It was 24
2: 17 and now it's 31 17. Shit was getting close.
3: Right. So, you know that... out? what about the
2: game that we're missing? <laughs> oh,
3: okay. <laughs> 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 well, again, I, I'm trying, you know, again, the Uber. Remember, yeah. the Uber's coming, so I'm I'm trying to I'm trying to speed this up here. But the peace day resistance of the Stairdons TW, again, was, uh, you know, Vince McMahon knew what he was doing because, you know, a man, you know, that drew, I think he was number 17, 16 or 17, was the ultimate warrior. 21. Oh, 21. And the man that drew 25 or 26 yep. 25. was Hulk Hogan. So, you know, you knew that the, those... Uh, the, the the irresistible force and the immovable object were gonna clash but we did not know how it was gonna do because again hulk hogan comes in you're almost thinking like he's gonna throw everybody out but of course the warriors in there doing his own thing so what's atw about these two combustible you know forces coming together the, the good course- thing
2: is, is they stayed away from each other when there were enough people in there and then they 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 partnered off with uh one had perfect, the other had rude, I think, when they got it down to four guys. And um, but they stayed away from each other. And Come then um when they finally got to each other, the crowd was like actually no, it, it wasn't
3: perfect and rude came later. It was yeah, perfect like and rude. It was yeah, so. Dino, Honky Tonk Man, Shawn Michaels, Tito Santana. No, no, but
2: I'm saying so. when it got down, like, when everyone's getting tossed, and then Hogan's mm-hmm. got one guy, Woods has got another, and they both throw him out, and it mm-hmm. ends up just being the two of them. Yeah. The crowd was like, holy shit. Like, they never saw it coming. The buzz mm-hmm. was like, whoa. Then they did that infamous double clothesline thing and took a but break.
3: That, but before that, but that's the ultimate Easter egg you know that they wanna they wanted to do something for WrestleMania 6. Right. But the the question that entails the professor that boggles the professor's mind is like you said TW you got you got two of your biggest baby faces doing a face-off. Again, for the battle royal purposes, this was not really this was unheard of. Because again, most of the baby faces fighting each other, of course, you want the prize money. You want to be the 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 ultimate Royal Rumble winner. Vince McMahon made it a point for this match to clear everybody out because they, he knew that he wanted his two biggest baby faces to maybe sell out the Sky Dome, put asses in seats for Toronto and all that stuff. So what's the UTW of taking that chance, you know, doing that for all that intensive
2: purpose. Well, that, that was the test. If the crowd would have fucking fell flat, that match wasn't happening. That was to see what the crowd thought. And the, the, there was a fucking buzz that people are like, whoa, like they never saw it happening because they stayed away from each other until they had no choice. It was just the two mm-hmm. of them. I'm still dumbfounded that Snuka is the first guy to attack Hogan, like immediately. And I'm like, first thing I thought of was you. I'm like, see, it ain't all these other guys. It's Hogan. He ever, he mm-hmm. makes all these other guys have to do it. Horndorf, fucking Andre. uh, will oh, bully Jim's the only one to stay true to him. Um, just To a degree, yeah, I guess. But uh, but yeah, it was it was perfect, and 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 there's another Easter egg in here that they do that I'm sure is I don't remember, but I'm sure Warrior brought that up to make the match happen anyway. But mm-hmm. Hogan was about to get eliminated by Perfect and Rude, and Warrior saved him.
3: And no, it we- was it was Rude and Barbarian.
2: Okay, and then when Perfect and Rude were about to eliminate Warrior... No,
1: Barbarian, Barbarian, Barbarian! the oh, same
2: guy. Okay. Alright, I thought, I thought Rude was going... Cool. I didn't know it was the same two guys. Hogan helped them dump the Warrior out, and then... Mm-hmm. And then, Warrior got in and beat the shit out of the Barbarian and Rude, and then left like a mm-hmm. fucking nut job. And then, um... That's Perfect was with Rude when they trying to eliminate Hogan, and then... Perfect held the rope on root or whatever, but yeah. but that set up the thing that made Warrior mad to tell him, Fuck you, I want to fight you, motherfucker. I helped you and you fucking turned your back on me, which also gets the crowd to kind of side with the Warrior because, like, he ain't wrong. He mm-hmm. helped you and you fucking turned on his ass.
3: <laughs> yeah, you could look at it at, at that standpoint, but again, one of the last storylines before we get into the well, the obvious Easter egg of Hogan Warrior was actually Hogan versus Perfect. Because they were actually fighting for the heavyweight championship, so you know there was Saturday Night's main event promos, a uh, fight, and actually perfect. perfect was so actually, money, man, so money, and perfect actually destroyed the, the wing belt first. So you know he did that to Hogan and all that stuff. So they had to uh, you know finish off that storyline with the Royal Rumble winning of Hulk Hogan, you know him throwing him out at the end, and all that stuff. And again, one of the things we say and do about him over the-, the fucking poll.
1: Dude, yeah, over that's the cool.
3: corner, like well, only that shot, would say. But that not only perfect can do it, but he's so athletic. You want to do it and all that stuff right. because he he was the most athletic. I would say the most athletic bumper in all of professional wrestling because. And, if, and Michaels. If, yeah, him and Michaels, but Perfect did it first, and oh, then absolutely. Michaels actually, absolutely, but, uh, and but Michaels kind of like took the torch from him and all that stuff. So with that being said, reflection I You know, let's put a bow on this tw. You know, we talked about it with the what ifs and, and all the stuff before about the Hulk Hogan fatigue. You know, Hulk Hogan winning the Royal Rumble in 1990, he didn't need it. You know what I'm saying? So in, in, in essence, to me, did the right man win it? Would it have been better? Maybe I'm doing another what if. You know, Reflection Ice, you know, the what if just, just it, it just opens the, the possibilities. It opens doors, T.W., did the right guy win it in Hogan, or should the should the right guy of the Ultimate Warrior won the 1990 Royal Rumble for the purposes of building, getting that stratospheric push to the moon, and also, you know, ch- a cherry on the top with him winning at WrestleMania six, but he had to eliminate Hulk Hogan in some way, shape, or form.
2: They could have done it the other way, where he helped Barbarian and Rude eliminate Hogan, and then okay, but. I actually thought Warrior did win that motherfucker. So the whole time I'm watching it, and then Warrior gets dumped, I'm like, what the fuck? And I'm like, ah, this is the
1: this one who wins, you
2: know? This is your Mandela is I wasn't watching him on pay-per-view because I didn't have pay-per-view money. I just read about him and saw highlights. I, I, I get
3: you. Yeah. I understand that, I'm just, but I'm asking you the question is, did the right guy win? Should it have been the Warrior to put that push? I thought the push- Warrior did win, so I
2: guess the answer is no, because I still thought he did, and that's why they fought at WrestleMania. So
3: for, for semantic purposes, he never won the Royal Rumble ever. No, so I'm just no. yes. And Lex I'm Luka just like Luther's well, a fucking co-winner. He's a co-winner, but that didn't mean shit for him. But with that being said, perfect, screw them. That too. But again, you know, again, that's semantics. We're not going into Royal Rumble 1994. I'm gonna put a bow on this. In that, I'm gonna say this, TW. I think the Ultimate Warrior should have won the 1990 Royal Rumble. Again, you didn't have to uh, he didn't have to eliminate Hulk Hogan because that would be a little bit cherry picking for, you know, for the IWC marks. Like you said, they could have done the reverse in in terms of tr- he's trying to help save Hogan from getting eliminated, but he came just a little too late and all that stuff and maybe you could have had Hogan being pissed off at the Warrior and all that stuff, looking at him and Warrior looking at him on the outside, giving that face to face like, "Oh, you did that to me?" All right, I got you. I got you and all that that professional jealousy but the ultimate war wins at the end eliminating rude barbarian perfect and all that stuff just to put the cherry on the top for you know to let's just say you know rectify him being that number 1 babyface that Vince McMahon sees money in the ultimate war maybe you needed that stamp of approval instead of going with the you know the safe pick of Holly, of of Hulk Hogan that's where i'm coming from
2: did, did H- Hogan end up winning two more right
3: he won ninety and
2: nine, 1991. Oh, I thought he. Oh, he went back to back. I thought he ended up yes. winning the third one because I thought is, is no. Austin's the only one that won three.
3: He he didn't win three straight, but he won back to back and then the third one. So he
2: so Hogan was the first to win two. He was the first only to win three.
3: Right. right. Okay. Got it. And yep. with that being. And with that being said, we close on this episodic episode, episode 180 of the PWR podcast here at the High Media Group at Podbean.com. And before anything, you know, we're going to take a little hiatus because, again, TW, the Uber is coming as we speak. The luggage is ready to go. The Johnson & Johnson baby oil is packed up and ready to go. His ass cheek is ready to go for the butt orgies and all that stuff. So, TW, before your butt gets closed up with all that stuff, give out those socials so we can get out of here. Maybe we'll be. Maybe we'll be back in two weeks, TW, give or take. Yeah. Yeah. All right. I'm not. I'm not. Also, I, like said, I don't.
2: I don't want to grade this, but I would say for any of the youngins that are listening to this who did not see the 1990 Royal Rumble, I would say mm-hmm. the match itself is worth watching. But you don't Mm -hmm. need to watch the other four matches. You
3: don't. If if you want to grade this before you give out the socials, I'm going to give this a solid B plus because of the Royal Rumble match and the match of the night with Ronnie Garvin and Greg the Hammer Valentine. This is New Japan. This is AEW Dynamite. All that stuff for all the fans to meet. B plus because of those two matches itself. And, of course, the Bushwhackers being over as Rover. That's me. B plus.
2: Royal Rumble, I give an A plus. The show, I give a C plus because the Royal Rumble and the backstage stuff is good. Matches other than that are garbage. I'm telling you, they're nitwits.
3: Cool. So that they rounds it out to, to a B. That, that rounds it out I to a can't B. Sleep on a plane,
2: and I slept that on ra- a damn plane.
3: That rounds it out to a B. So you just gave it a B.
2: No, it's a C plus because of that fucking A plus. Otherwise, it would be a D. Oh God, damn it. Yeah. The backstage things are good. The commentating's good. The match is good. The other four mm-hmm. matches are garbage. All right. But Give out those the Pro Wrestling Coalition Network sponsors us at PWC Network at podbean.com. Amin Media Group at Podbean.com as well. And also HMG at channelattitude.com. Our show on X is at PW Reflection. Um also you can get Big Ray Hernandez on every single itty bitty teeny weeny yellow polka dot bikini. Social media site is at Big Ray Hernandez. And you can find him every Wednesday on the Next Level Wednesday podcast. I think live at 11 a.m. Eastern. And you mm-hmm. can find me on Instagram. And, uh, yeah, I got rid of that other shit. Um, Instagram and X at TommyWonder19. Snapchat is number wonder. Facebook.com backslash TommyWonder. And my other ex and TikTok are at the TommyWonder. And the Big Vito brand is at Big Vito brand on TikTok. Um, that's where you can keep up with him and Noel. And then you can watch the early release of the reflection video at Big Ray Hernandez on X.
3: And you can follow me on my Xer at PWSOPRF. That's pwsoprof And if this gets uploaded by A track Round, this will be on the PW YouTube networks. Follow my brothers and aunts. Billy Ray Valentine at OB One. You know me. And, of course, the king of the reactions. The man who went viral off a tweet. That Rebby Hardy loved. And probably he will be a character witness for Rebby Hardy and Matt Hardy's pending divorce. That's 8-Track Brown at the number 8 T.R.A.C. Brian, And again, we'll be back in two weeks at the T.W.'s butt gets, you know, you know, goes from I this I to I this. Did. I don't know. You're maybe you only gay if you're on the bottom.
1: After a couple of margaritas, you don't know where this is gonna be. You're gonna go here or you're gonna go That's
3: here. True. So we'll find out. So TW will give give his butt orgy, uh, you know, stories
1: in two weeks. Reflections. So with that being said, I'm the professor. That's Mr. Wonderful, Thumbs Up Duo, Idiot Zone, The Iron Stomach One, Mr. Flora himself. Tommy One is saying good night, and we'll see you in those weeks. For the PWR
3: Podcast at the HowMe Media Group at PowerMeeting.com. Peace!